on in. Glad you're here. This is Tales Vinyl Tells, a rocket ship ride into the album rock of the 60s and 70s mostly. And this is Dwayne Eddy with the music under today. And man, we've got some great storytelling in the music today, as always. I'm Brian Halgren, and we say rest in peace, Denny Lane, founder of the Moody Blues and one of the three permanent members of Wings, along with Paul and Linda McCartney. And uh, we've got two from Denny in the first set today. And as if we don't eat enough food, we're going to see what's on the menu after Arlo updated it. Oh, yes, we are. I strongly suggest that you listen with headphones because this is recorded and aired in stereo on Radio Free Nashville. Hope you enjoy it. It's another day here as we share the tales vinyl tells.
Russell and the Shelter People, we heard Denny Lane, English musician, singer, and songwriter who entered the room next door recently. He was known as a founder of two major rock bands, the Moody Blues, with whom he played from 1964 to 1966 and was replaced by Justin Hayward. And he was one of the three permanent members of Wings, with whom he played from 1971 to 1981. Lane worked with a variety of artists and groups over a six-decade career, including Ginger Baker's Air Force, and continued to record and perform as a solo artist. 
In 2018, Lane was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Moody Blues. We heard Wings doing their version of the Moody Blues' Go Now with Denny Lane singing lead from the winter of 1976. That's the Wings version. Uh, After that, we heard Denny Lane and Ron Pullman Band with Meant to Be. Nice tunes. Sherman set the Wayback Machine to June 1972. Then-President Richard Nixon's secretary, Rosemary Woods, made what she testified a terrible mistake, and somehow she said that she mistakenly hit the button next to the phone that she was answering, which happened to be the record button. For the duration of the phone call, about five minutes, she kept her foot on the device's pedal, causing a five-minute portion of the tape to be re-recorded. When she listened to the tape, the gap had magically grown to... 18 and a half minutes. Wow, how did that happen? She later insisted that she was not responsible for the remaining 13 minutes of buzz, reports Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, let me make something perfectly clear. Hmm. Well, I mention that because Arlo Guthrie's uh, original Alice's Restaurant of 1967 was 18 minutes and 22 seconds, give or take. But in 1995, I say that because Arlo mentioned it in the song. In 1995, Alice's Restaurant Massacre was revisited, and here it is, a great example of a tale that vinyl tells. You might have heard this before. song is called Alice's Restaurant. It's about Alice and the restaurant. But Alice's Restaurant was never the name of a restaurant. That was always just the name of this song. And I guess that, well, that's probably why I still call this song Alice's Restaurant. You can't get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Walk right in, it's around the back, just a half a mile from the railroad track. And you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. I wasn't gonna sing the song tonight, or this decade, but I realized sometime earlier this year that it had been 26 years since this come out as a movie and and it was two years before that that it came out as a record and it was two years ago on the record which means it was like 30 thanksgivings ago 30 years ago on thanksgiving when my friend and i decided to go up and visit alice at the restaurant but alice didn't used to live in a restaurant she used to live in the church nearby the restaurant in the bell tower with her husband Ray and Facha the dog and living in the bell tower like that they used to have a lot of room downstairs where the pews used to be seeing as how they took out all of the pews and having all that room they decided that they didn't have to take out their garbage for a long time we got up there found the place was filled with garbage 
And we decided it'd be a friendly gesture for us to take the garbage down to the town dump. So we took the half a ton of garbage, put it in the back of a red VW microbus, took shovels and rakes and implements of destruction and headed on toward the town dump. We got there. And there was a sign, a chain across the road, and the sign said, closed on Thanksgiving. We had never heard of a dump closed on Thanksgiving before. And so with tears in our eyes, we drove off into the sunset, looking for another place to put the garbage. We didn't find one, till we come to a side road. And off of the side of the side road, there was a 15-foot cliff. And at the bottom of the cliff, there was another pile of garbage. We decided that one big pile would be better than two little ones. And rather than bring that one up, we decided to throw ours down. That's what we did. Drove back to the church, had a Thanksgiving dinner that couldn't be beat. Went to sleep and didn't get up until the next morning when we got a phone call from Officer Obi. He said, kid, we found your name on an envelope at the bottom of a half a ton of garbage. Just wanted to know if you had any information about it. And I said, yes, sir, Officer Obi. I cannot tell a lie. I put that envelope under that garbage. It was after speaking to Obi for about 45 minutes on the telephone that we finally arrived at the truth of the matter. And Obi said we had to go down and pick up the garbage, and we also had to go down and talk to him at the police officer station. Now, friends, there was only one of two things that Obi could have done at the police officer station. And the first thing was he could have given us a medal for being so brave and honest on the telephone, which wasn't very likely. Hey, we didn't expect him. The other possibility was that he could have bawled us out and told us never to be seen driving garbage around the vicinity again, which is what we expected. But when we got to the police officer station, there was a third possibility that we hadn't counted on. And we was both immediately arrested, handcuffed. And I said, Obi, I don't think I can pick up the garbage with the handcuffs on. He said, shut up, kid get in the back of the patrol car. And we sat in the back of the patrol car and drove to the, quote, scene of the crime, unquote. Friends, I want to tell you about the town of Stockbridge, Massachusetts, where this was happening. They got three stop signs, two police officers, and one police car. But when we got to the scene of the crime, there was five police officers and three police cars being the biggest crime of the last 50 years, and everybody wanted to get in the newspaper story about it, and they was using up all kinds of cop equipment they had hanging around the police officer station. They was taking plaster tire track, footprints, dog smelling prints. They took 27 8 by 10 colored glossy pictures with circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one explaining what each one was to be used as evidence against us. They took pictures of the approach, the getaway, the northwest corner and the southwest corner, and that's not to mention the aerial photography. And it was after the ordeal, we went back to the jail. Obi said he was going to put us in a cell. He said, kid, I'm going to put you in a cell. Give me your wallet and your belt. And I said, Obi, I can understand you wanting my wallet so I don't have any money to spend in a cell, but what do you want my belt for? 
He said, kid, we don't want any hangings. And I said, Obi, did you think I was gonna hang myself for littering? Obi said he was making sure and friends Obi was Cause he took out the toilet seat so I couldn't hit myself over the head and drown Took out the toilet paper so I couldn't bend the bars Roll the toilet paper out the window Slide down the roll, have an escape and get away Obi was making sure alright And it was about four or five hours later that Alice Remember Alice? This is still the song about Alice. And anyway, Alice come by and with a few nasty words to Obi on the side, she bailed us out of jail. We went back to the church, had another Thanksgiving dinner that couldn't be beat. Went to sleep and didn't get up until the next morning when we all had to go to court. We walked in, sat down. Obi come in with the 27 8 by 10 color glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one explaining what each one was to be used as evidence against us and he sat down. A man come in. He said, all rise. And we stood up and Obi stood up with the 27 8 by 10 color glossy pictures and the judge walked in with a CNI dog. <laughs> sat down. We sat down. Obi looked at the CNI dog, and then at the 27 8 by 10 color glossy pictures, and looked at the CNI dog, and Obi began to cry. Cause Obi come to the realization that this was a typical case of American blind justice, and there was no way the judge was gonna look at the 27 8 by, well, it didn't matter. Cause we was fined $25 each and we had to pick up the garbage in the snow. But that's not really what I come to talk about so much. I, I just thought I'd mention it. Cause I know there's probably some people sitting here tonight thinking this is some kind of nostalgic ballad or something and <laughs> I hope so. You never know, they still got that building down in New York City on Whitehall Street. And others like it all around America. And that's where you used to have to go get injected, inspected, detected, infected, neglected, and selected. And I remember I had to go in there one morning a long time ago for a physical examination. So I got good and drunk the night before. Cause I wanted to feel my best when I went in that morning. I mean, I wanted to feel, I wanted to look, I wanted to be like the all-American kid. And when I went in that morning, I was hung down, I was brung down, I was hung up. I was all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly-looking things. I walked in, I sat down. Give me a piece of paper, said kid. See the psychiatrist, room 604. I went up there. I said, shrink, I want to kill. I mean, I want to kill. I want to see blood and gore and guts and veins in my teeth. Eat dead bird bodies. I mean, kill. Kill, kill, kill. And I started jumping up and down, yelling, kill, kill. And he started jumping up and down with me. And we was both jumping up and down, yelling, kill, 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 kill. Till the sergeant come over, pinned a medal on me, sent me down the hall, said, you're our boy. <laughs> I didn't feel real good about it, right? 
I proceeded on down the hall getting more injections, inspections, and all kinds of stuff that they was doing to me at the thing there. I was there for two, three, four, five hours. I was there for a long time, going through all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly things. They was inspecting, injecting every single part of me. And they was leaving no parts untouched. But I proceeded through until I finally come to see the very last man. I walked up. I said, what do you want to see me about? He said, kid, we only have one more question. Have you ever been arrested? And I told him the story of Alice's Restaurant Massacre with five-part harmony, full orchestration, all kinds of the phenomenon. He stopped me right there. He said, kid, did you go to court? And I told him the story of the 27 8 by 10 color glossy pictures with the circles and arrows and the paragraph on the back of each one. He stopped me again. He said, kid, I want you to go over, sit down on that bench that says Group W. Now, kid. <laughs> I went over there. Group W. Group W is where they used to put you if you may not have been moral enough to join the army. After committing your special crime, there was all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly looking people on the bench. There was mother rapers, father stabbers, and father rapers. I mean, there was father rapers sitting there on the bench next to me. I mean, he was mean, nasty, ugly, horrible, crime-fighting guys. And the meanest, ugliest, nastiest one, the meanest father raper of them all, was coming over to me, and he sat down next to me and said, Kid, what'd you get? I said, I didn't get nothing. I had to pay $25 and pick up the garbage. <laughs> he said, Kid, what was you arrested for? I said, littering. And they all moved away from me on the bench there until I said, and creating a nuisance. And then they all come back and shook my hand. And we had a great time on the bench talking about crime, mother stabbing, father raping, we were smoking cigarettes and all kinds of stuff, having a good time. Till the sergeant come over, had some paper in his hand. He held it up. He went like this. He said, Kids, this piece of paper's got 37 words for them sentences. One no time to crime, detail crime. Ain't got a thing to say, pretend, tune about the crime. The rest of the name kind of thing got to say. And he talked for 45 minutes, but nobody understood a word he said. But we had fun filling out the forms and playing with the pencils on the bench. And I wrote down the massacre like I was supposed to. And I put down my pencil, turned over the piece of paper, there on the other side of that piece of paper in the middle of the other side underlined and capitalized away from everything else on the other side read the following words kid have you rehabilitated yourself i went over to the sergeant i said sergeant you got a lot of damn gall to ask me if i've rehabilitated myself i mean i'm sitting here on the group w i mean i'm sitting i mean i mean i'm sitting here 
here on the group W bench Cause you wanna know if I'm moral enough to join the army Burn women, kids, houses, children, villages After being a litter bug He said, kid, we don't like your kind We're gonna send your fingerprints off to Washington And friends, somewhere in Washington enshrined In a little folder is a study in black and white Of my fingerprints They're still there the only reason I'm singing you the song tonight is because you may know somebody in a similar situation sometime. Even some of you could be in a situation like that sometime sooner than you're sitting here thinking about right now. And if you ever find yourself in a situation like that and you don't know what to do, there may be only one thing that, well, there may not actually be a hell of a lot you can do at all, but there's something you can try. And that's to be wherever it is you're supposed to be. You just go down there, you sit there, you ask to see the shrink. You go up there, you say like, oh, shrink. Excuse me, man, but uh, you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant and walk out. Imagine one person, I mean, even today, walking in, singing some Alice's Restaurant, walking out. They're going to say, hey, that guy's 30 years too late. Get that guy out of here. Imagine two of them walking in hand in hand, singing in harmony. I don't care what the president says, unfortunately to a lot of people that's still a problem. Imagine three of them. They might think of some kind of organization or something. And so you can imagine like 50 people, maybe 50 people a day walking in, singing some Alice's Restaurant, walking out, friends, they might think it's a movement. And most of them be too young to know what a movement was. That's what it was. It was the Alice's Restaurant Anti-Massacre Movement. That's what it was, and, and that's what it is. And I guess that's what it's always going to be. And all you've got to do to join is to sing it with me as it comes around again on the guitar. With feeling. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Walk right in, it's around the back, just a half a mile from the railroad track. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. No, no. You can't start singing loud just at the end if I quit singing. You would have thought after all this time, you'd have learned by now. If you want to end war and stuff, you've got to learn to sing loud all the time so people can hear you. Now, I know this is a long song. <laughs> Believe me, I know how long it is. And even on the record, when it come out, it was pretty long. What, 18 minutes, like I said, or something? Now, I'm not sitting here trying to make it any longer, but I can feel it. I know there's people sitting in this very room tonight that don't believe that songs can change the world or that songs can change the destiny of nations. I don't blame you. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so myself. Of course, I know something that some of you may not know, but I was reminded of it during the last election. See, I remembered back when Jimmy Carter was elected president, because I got an invitation to his inauguration, and I knew I had to go, because I knew it'd be the only one I ever got been right so far. 
But I went down to Washington, D.C. I'm not making this up now, this is real. I went down to Washington, and it's just like you see on TV, people partying and stuff, and everything was fine until along toward evening. Somebody come around, tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around, and it was Chip Carter, the president's son. I said, hi, Chip. I recognized him, he was about my age. He said, Arlo, I've been looking everywhere for you. I said, Chip, how come? He said, Arlo, I've got something very important to tell you. And I said, Chip, what is it? He said, Arlo, we were moving our stuff into the White House, and in the Nixon Record Library, we found a copy of your record, Alice's Restaurant. I looked at Chip Carter. I looked deep into the man's soul. I said, Chip, was it open? And in slow motion, he nodded, yes, it had been opened. And I want you folks sitting here tonight to know that I did not think about that for a long time. Until just recently, when we was all thinking about Richard Nixon when he passed away. And I see some young people here that may not know. See, but Richard Nixon was the president of the United States. And he used to like to tape stuff. I mean, if you can imagine a world before VCRs and cassette decks was everywhere, you can imagine a man who was truly ahead of his time. And he, he taped everything that went on in the White House and everything was fine until one day they started playing back the tapes. People found out what was going on in there. But it wasn't anything that was on any tape that got the man in trouble. So much as it was what he had erased from the tapes, and there, there was one particular famous gap in one of those tapes that I was thinking about one night when I said to myself, Arlo, how many things in the world are 18 minutes and 20 seconds long? <laughs> things in the world are exactly 18 minutes and 20 seconds long. Probably just a coincidence. <laughs> but it's good enough for me. So when the song comes around again on the guitar, remember that songs can change the destiny of nations. Even if it's only by coincidence. You just have to know the words have the feeling and wait for it to come around again on the guitar you can get anything you want at alice's dress except in alice so you can get anything you want
restaurant revisited on tales vinyl tales i love this age of album rock you know the 60s and 70s don't you i guess that's why you listen episodes of this show and podcast are being downloaded all across the globe on most podcasting apps and i'm glad people are getting tuned into this now spotify has bumped us three times at least so you might want to listen to a different app or even stream all the episodes on studiomillswellness.com on the Tales Vinyl Tales podcast tab. Now, we're airing this show on December 20th, 2023, so yesterday marked the fourth birthday of this podcast. 120 episodes later, here we are in the year-end holidays, holy days for many, and I saw my six-year-old granddaughter this past weekend, and she told me, via her mom, that the grand and I both got on the nice list. Well, when the ex didn't see her name on it, she asked the grand, how come? Delayed answer until the ex left. (laughs) When the grand said, she's on the naughty list. (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes, right? All right, we're going to move on with songs about the mascots of holidays that, uh, let's see, St. Nick, Cupid, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy even. Not a holiday so much, but you got the point. There are strangers in the house. It's the new writers of the Purple Sage. I don't know you, you've been lately on my mind. I would be no 
was Little River Band with Meanwhile. And Stranger in My House was actually Ronnie Millsap, his 35th single. And Mike Reed wrote that, and he also won the Grammy Award for Best Country Song category for this song in 1984, Stranger in My House. And the new writers kicked it off with I Don't Know You. All right, I've got two more today. Time's about up. Catch you next time. I'm Brian. Happy holidays and happy new year. Here's NRBQ and Walter Egan. Take care. Stay well. Be nice. I'm like a magnet. You're like a piece of wood. Can't get
Thanks for listening today. This has been Tales Vinyl Tells on Radio Free Nashville, WRFN LP, Pasquo.